Welcome, everyone. It's another episode of the Everybody Counts podcast here yeah. with Tracy, Jay, and Pete. Hey, guys. What's going on? What's going on? Hello. Ready to talk some Bosch? Uh, aren't we always? Aren't yeah, we always? I'm, all, I'm always talking Bosch, even that's at work. A, that's a given. Just, just a test. Uh, before we get started, uh, we have a lot on the podcast tonight. Chris, you have a double debrief interview. Uh, two. two. A twofer. A twofer. Wow. You know it. Um, so we have Troy Evans, who plays Beryl, Detective Johnson. And we also have Gregory Scott Cummins, who plays Crate, Detective Moore. Uh, so the uh, the infamous Crate and Beryl will be at the end of the podcast. So uh, get ready for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Great insights, as always. Have to have our game for each of these guys. Good, good stuff coming. Uh, before we get into the case review, we are excited to talk about the fundraiser that Michael Conley is doing with My Friend's Place LA. And you can check them out on Twitter. They do some work with homeless young people. So it's, it's a great way to benefit someone in need. They're T-shirts. Everybody counts or nobody counts T-shirts. And they're awesome. Look out there on Titus's Twitter. He's wearing one. Michael Conley. It's a really, really neat-looking shirt. And I've ordered one. And lots of people have ordered one. But they want even more orders. I think uh, Michael Conley posted today that they've met the first goal the first level, so and then they raise the bar. So let's keep it going. But we wanted to give a shout-out to folks that let us know that they ordered a shirt. So I'm going to start with a couple of Reddit users. I saw JoeCon4 ordered a shirt. User Criminals Are My Jam ordered a shirt. And then we have lots of folks who let us know on Twitter. Benny, at BennyU2 on Twitter, placed an order, as did Karen Lee, at Karen R I five two four four three six one four. Maybe that should be a trivia, Pete. <laughs> she ordered one as well. We've got Amy Urban at Mullen M D. Heart at Wax Paper Heart placed an order. Uh, our longtime listener, Sister Teacher, ordered a shirt. As did uh, contributor Kathy Urbanski at Kathy Urbanski one placed an order. Uh, shout out to AC at MMNG18 on Twitter. We've got Raider Gal at Cheryl Cashman on Twitter. Stefan Pellens um, at SPEL1966. Shout out to GS at BillyBear731. Uh, thanks to Zach Zabrowski for placing an order at Jeff Arl. Got David Higgins at DVBoy76 placed an order. Sean Cameron at Script Comes First on Twitter. Big thanks to Aim Dog at Aim Doggy Rules. Uh, shout out to RU at RU underscore Trinity on Twitter. Shouting out to Larry Dukes at UK Duker and Sherry Hudson at Hudson Sherry on Twitter. Uh, all right, let's give him a hand, guys. That was like so, a graduation list. <laughs> when you're watching a TV show and they start doing the graduation ceremony and they right. say all the names. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hold your applause between. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love and, that uh, we hope. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. 
hope to see more orders coming through. So great, great job. So, all right, well, it's about time to uh, get into our case review. Did you have anything else? Jay, you had something yeah, to say? I want to I want to throw one more thing out there that uh, I just think is interesting. So, you know, I run so many shows. We're all part of so many shows dot com. And I check the stats religiously. Right. And mm-hmm. one of the stats that we get are top search engine terms. And so, okay. of course, there's always stuff for Bosch. And did did uh, did Bosch do this or what happened at the end of episode six or Titus Welliver or, or Jay Edgar, any number of terms. But do you know what the top term has been the last couple of days? Mm, something about Coltrane? Mitzi Roberts. Oh. Mitzi! Yeah. Mitzi Roberts. And there's been variations, Mitzi Roberts, Mitzi LAPD, Mitzi Detective. Like, she's, like, world famous now. What the heck is going on here? Well, I'll tell you one thing the heck that's going on. Um, an article was uh, posted online today from the L.A. Times all about Mitzi. The writer's last name, I believe, is Queeley. His name is James Queeley. Yeah, of the Los Angeles Times did a fantastic write-up all about Mitzi. I was actually going to share that before we get started as well. So maybe it has to do with that, Jay. It's it's a really great article. That's awesome. No, I'm going to have to check that out too because, uh, I mean, we we talked to her before or whatever, and we know she's a big part of Bosch, but look at that. Now it's like she is Bosch or something. I don't know what's going (laughs) on here. I know. Worlds coming together, life imitating art, imitating life. And now, yeah. and now she's like, "Crap, they're all googling me." <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have two podcasts out there with Mitzi, guys. So I'm glad folks are searching um, because uh, we have one with Mitzi and her partner Tim Marsha from last season. A great interview with them, and then she talked to us on our book club podcast, all about Dark Sacred Night. Uh, you know, the character is. Of Renee Ballard is inspired by Mitzi, so perfect person to talk to. So, um, yeah, keep Googling. Go out to so many shows, and you can find those interviews and learn more about Mitzi. So uh, definitely big props to her. Her name actually comes up in um, our debrief interview. So that, that happens quite a bit, too. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's get started. This is Episode 9 of Season 5. It's titled Hold Back the Night, written by Eric Overmeyer and directed by Aaron Lipstadt. So I think, you know, up front, we know one of the big events that a big part of the episode was the courtroom scene. So we definitely want to talk about that and all that crazy drama. But let's hit some other high points of things that were going on before we get into that. So Bonner finds out where Terry Spencer is, is holding out. It's at one of the Cronin's property, uh, properties. And this was a fantastic scene. Um, I particularly um, enjoyed how they drew Spencer to the door. Does anybody want to talk about that? <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny because they were talking about it uh, in the car beforehand. Like, he's not just going to answer the door. I think they probably prepped him for that. And and uh, uh, the poor guy looked kind of bored eating his meal there anyway. But uh, his car alarm is going off. It's yeah. going off. That's always something that brings you to the door, to the window, something. And, of course, he Mm -hmm. goes to the door. And I think he peeks out to try to see, you know, through the little eye hole thing. And uh, uh, Chandler is smart enough to take care of that, covering up with the business card. 
So he opens the door, and of course, there she is. And uh, who's, you know, just chilling on the car, rocking it back and forth a little bit? Could that have been Harry Bosch? Oh, man. It's just classic. Classic yeah, Harry Bosch. Yeah. And yeah, he's pressing his foot against the bumper up and down to activate the alarm. And I, I put out there on Twitter how much I like that uh, image, and I wanted a GIF of it. And Twitter user uh, Jim Tobin actually um, put one together this Boom. week. So fantastic. I really appreciate that, Jim. And and I told him as such. So that that's out there for us all to enjoy for a long time. <laughs> so yeah, they go inside and they talk to him and they, they basically tell him, we're not after you. But the the Cronins have been using you, and you, you know you help us, and you know try to protect yourself because they are you know manipulating you, mm-hmm. and have manipulated you for their purposes. So they they press him to to come testify and cooperate, but they they leave the house without any you know agreement to do so. So that's still up in the air. We also see. DEA agent Charlie Hoven interrogating Hart, one of the pharmacy guys, and also the one that was going after Rosie and Jose Jr. at that house. Hart just starts blaming stones for everything, the other guy. And they're like, well, he's dead. And you know, he doesn't even respond much to that, just very callous. Not getting a lot of information from him. Hoven reminds him that he's supposed to be cooperating. Um, his his attorney turns to him and they whisper something, and then he reveals that he knows where another body is, and so he thinks that will help his situation because he reveals where the burned vehicle was. Uh, remember episode mm-hmm. two at the beginning? Yeah. So that that guy's last name was Cleek, and um, that was a rough uh, scene for sure, and. and um, they're able to identify the body. And uh, actually, Jimmy and Hoven bond a little bit They over their shared native tongue because they start speaking, uh, I guess, in Spanish. And Jimmy says that he's from Cuba, and Hoven reveals that he's from the Dominican Republic. So it's kind of an interesting exchange. Maybe we could see them, some more of them working together. It would be pretty cool because, I mean, look at those two guys. I thought about that, actually. Yeah. I was going to bring that up to you guys. Like, Imagine if that's a way where, in the future episodes of Bosch, Robinson becomes Hoven's partner in, in that um, unit, and we get to see some action with them, working with Bosch and Jay Edgar. You, yeah, yeah. you could have an LAPD liaison with the DEA like that. Yeah, yeah. there you go. I mean, that is like two times the swagger. I mean, oh those my, guys. Yes. So. Yeah. Just what us guys that's just what us guys need, right, Pete? Just just what us guys need. Well you know they kinda remind me of me and you, Jay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That that might be true. That might be true. That might be true. About as close as it gets, right? (laughs) So Pierce and Vega, they have made a gruesome discovery. They're called to a scene with a suitcase that is oozing blood, the officer says. Who wants to uh, have the the job of talking about that suitcase. Oh, I love talking about bloody suitcases, but I'll happily pass it over to Pete if he wants it. Pete, well, I mean, what's in that suitcase? It's just bloody body parts, like, uh, right? Arms awful. and legs? Just yeah, limbs, yeah. Where, yeah. Where's the head? Yeah, they, I mean, they can't even tell if it's, you know, male or female. They, you know, they try to speculate, but, um, yeah, it's, it's very tell? gruesome. I couldn't tell. No. 
<laughs> no. Mm-mm. Well, she pulled some footage of a stolen van that was at a nearby alley. So they think that the killer drove there to dump the suitcase. So they start looking for like vacant buildings or construction sites, something maybe where someone could hide and do something like that. And it turns out there is a vacant apartment building. It sounds like maybe it's been purchased or is going to be redone, but it's, you know, it's in bad shape right now. And um, so they do some investigation in there and Pierce discovers a nasty, horrific, bloodied bathtub in one of the apartments. So Mm -hmm. the focus uh, shifts into that, uh, that specific apartment further, but yeah, bad stuff. Bad stuff going on. Well, we, we we have a third case now, right? Is that how this works? Well, yeah. Yeah. And it came yeah. up in what, episode nine? Like, that's exciting. Last week I talked about how episode eight, I thought everything was clear cut, but here we are. Boss is mm-hmm. doing it again. Keeping me, yeah. keeping me on the edge of my seat. Right, right. Yeah, it's not, you know, just when you think it's over, it's not over. It's, it's never over no. with Bosch, that's for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about Jay Edgar's discovery he surprises Bo Jonas he shows up at um, Crossley's church the little storefront church and Bo Jonas is there vacuuming and so he kind of catches him off guard and they have a discussion and we get Bo's perspective on what happened that day at the meet and he says that Marcos and Arius Mm. never Mm. showed up for the meet so different story Suspect. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean the the bad guys are doing bad things? Is that what's happening? <laughs> right. So, right. The ones you suspected all season, Pete. That's right. So, yeah, he said there were some Jamaicans there, and it looked like they were setting up a trap. He also tells Jerry that Gary was holding a gun for him that he had purchased from some Jamaican gangsters. So it's all, like, looking really shady to Bo. And, of course, he makes, you know, a run for it. So, and also, even though he thinks he could identify the guys that killed Gary, he will not do it. He says flat out, not going to happen. So, Jay Edgar, our man, does some further investigation, and he follows Arius and Marcos into a club. He sees them sitting with some Jamaicans. So, it's starting to look more and more clear. Yeah, that they're, you know, involved in... uh, something dirty so he also jerry also visits a pawn shop and, and i guess you know we have to remember that this is probably his neighborhood growing up uh-huh. yeah. you know so he's he's reuniting with some of these people from his childhood and she recognizes uh mama rue uh, runs the pawn shop and she recognizes uh jerry's scar she calls him jerome, jerome. so yeah from his that childhood days yeah, that was yeah. so and then he when he asked her about this jacques of real character you know, that came up in the last episode, she gets a really serious look on her face. If there's no more, oh, it's little Jerome, you know, from you, it's like, what? You know, and so we know that this guy, Jacques Avril, is uh, someone to worry about. Serious. Yeah, he's serious. serious stuff. Yeah. So then I'm even more freaked out because Jerry goes to Jacques Avril's house. That was crazy. Yeah. I mean, how are you feeling about that, Jay, when he shows up and knocks on his door? He's a... A brave dude. I wouldn't. I yeah. wouldn't do it. I wouldn't yeah. do it. I mean, obviously, we see the motivation behind it and the yeah. need for him to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, can I say that's that's some balls? Can I say that? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, like, for real. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially if he suspects what he suspects, and he's going there alone at night with yeah. no one knowing he's there. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And, and, and might I, you know, remind ourselves that these are all the types of situations that LaTanya fears for him, you know, and for her family, that, you know, because J. Edgar is so dedicated, he's not going to let this go. And so, you know, I I can see where she's coming from because it certainly scared me with him showing up at the door. But he doesn't flinch at all. Uh, he talks to this guy. Avril says he saw him. He remembers seeing him at that coffee shop um, in the last episode. He also says his, quote, people spotted Jerry at that club. And Jacques also, I think he's referring to them both being Haitian. He kind of makes a reference to that. And Jerry brings up the secret police. The Butcher of Petionville, hopefully I didn't butcher that pronunciation, who killed Jerry's uncle. Um, Jerry's uncle is named Antoine Hector, and Avril says it wasn't him, but it was his father. So he, he admits to his family right there on the doorstep uh, to killing his father, killing Jerry's uncle. So uh, Jock just closes the door, Jerry leaves, and, you know, it's just for, it was actually quite a civil conversation, but there were just all these veiled threats and, you know, dangerous connotations within that. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was scary. I mean, just straight up scary. So, Because yeah, it I left worried. everything unknown, too. Like, yeah. Nobody, yeah. No, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. Jagger, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Call Mitzi for like, backup. So we also find out in this episode that Hines, District Attorney Hines, says her office will not be filing charges against Officer Robson, but she expects a thorough investigation from the LAPD. So she's she's putting it back in their court to investigate further and see what happened there. We didn't talk about well, Maddie and Tom yet. Well, they do have a little chat, don't they? Before yeah. the... Uh, you want to talk about it since you... You're a big fan of their relationship, Pete? Well, that was when she um, took the picture, right, of the memo? And they talked about yeah, the drug yeah. run. And that she said, well, what was the thing she said? Oh, um, that was better than the Grunion, the Grunion run? Oh, Catalina. Okay, yes, yeah, Catalina. So, so, yeah, Tom is kind of reaching out to her because she seems down. And it turns out it's like the either on or near the anniversary of her mom's death. And her mom's birthday is coming up. And she tells him that... Um, he says, you should take a day, you know, when it's your mom's birthday and just celebrate her or whatever. And she mentions Catalina, which she had, you know, also talked to her dad about. And, yes, yeah, you're right, Pete. She says, you know, if you thought the Grunion run was so awesome, you know, where do you see Catalina? So they they do have uh, this exchange. But, yeah, talk about the memo, Pete. Um, wait, now, was that memo on his desk or did she deliver that memo? I'm not really sure about that part. Of uh, no, she delivered something else. Okay, but, and saw but, the memo. Um, but and saw the memo. Yeah, she saw the folder. Now that's super illegal, right? I would think so. <laughs> like that's like I, that's so bosh, such a bosh move. Just call it outside the lines real quick, you know? Uh huh. So that, so yeah, that she, memo she comes did. back too later on in the episode where we're about to talk about. It. Absolutely. Yeah, so she spies the folder. It, it says, you know, I think it says the borders something about the borders case on it. And so one, she opens it. Two, she reads it. <laughs> Three, she takes a picture of it. And in another scene, we hear from Honey Chandler talking to, to Bosch uh, mm. about getting ready for the, you know, for the hearing 
that uh, she's received from a source at the DA's office this memo. And so, of course, we know it, it has to be from Maddie. So, yeah, she's kind of getting in deep there. An impeccable source. Yeah. An impeccable source. Yeah. yeah, that's right. She did. Good job, Pete. She's an impeccable source. So, yeah, it was, it, was real, it was a weird feeling hearing her talk about it, us knowing that it was Maddie and the way she described it to Bosch. So, yep. So we do have the hearing when Borders arrives. We see him in the parking garage. That's a it's an interesting scene. There's uh, he sees Bosch, and Bosch just you know I don't think Bosch says anything. No, but like he he doesn't. And aren't you surprised that he out of all the times I've always seen him say something like Why would you say that? And this time like Bosch is really I don't know. He's just showing I guess patience and maturity and just said you know what I know I got you. I know I didn't do this. I don't know. I'm I think it's nothing. part of his like I don't want to say code, but like his. Like, I think he could, he insists on control in certain situations. Like, if he's doing an interrogation, like he was talking to him in the prison, yeah, he may taunt him and stuff. But, like, when it gets down to game time at the hearing, I think he's like, you know, I'm going to focus and not mess around. I don't know. What do you think, Jay, about how controlled he was? I don't, I don't, I think it was half anger and half even nervousness because Spencer was still up in the air. You know, oh, that's I mean, true too. you know, yeah. he hates the guy. This is kind of like showtime. And and I, I think you kind of saw it through everyone's entrance to the courtroom, kind of, though, too. Like, everyone had a swagger. Borders had a swagger. CIU had a swagger. Cronin had a swagger. Like, everybody had this swagger where this was a somber, angry, focused, nervous Bosch. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, and he's coming off the heels of almost getting killed on that airplane. True story. You know? So, True and story. you know, and the article associated with the case being the right. thing that outed him, you know, on his undercover gig. So, yeah, he's I mean, he's he's in he's got a lot <laughs> that right. he's still dealing with from that. And yeah, he does not feel as optimistic, I don't think, as Honey Chandler. She's she seems pretty optimistic about it, although I think she tends to portray that. No, well, she also in any way. She, she also she does this for a living. She knows the game. She knows yeah. the she knows the evidence she's got. She knows the mm-hmm. judge. She kind of judge she's got. She knows how this is going to play out in her head. Mm-hmm. And she, I think she knows she got them, but she can't say I got them. But she's going to yeah. go get them. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah. So they get in there, and um, you know, she tries to establish standing for Bosch that he has that it, it, it there's a you know, a valid reason for him to be there in defense of himself. And, um, you know, she talks about the article and it, you know, can be damaging to his reputation and that they have, you know, further evidence and so forth. And the, the other side of the aisle, they're not, they're not so keen on that. And they say, if you, if you have other evidence, you know, or you have other witnesses you want to call. We need time to, to look at that. And they, you know, so they talk about maybe a 30-day delay. And the judge talks about how 30 days could ter- turn into 90 days with all the cases that are, caseload that are, you know, is on the calendar. So, honey, she comes up with an idea about, I don't really know what this is called. If you guys do, please jump in. But basically sending the media and all the observers and stuff out of the room and just having the attorneys and, and boarders uh, and uh, she and Bosch 
in there and that she will give a proffer, I think it's called, to, mm-hmm. you know, what she has on the agenda and to just approach it that way uh, to save them some time. Do you guys recall that everyone pretty much agreed to it or did the judge make that decision? Judge. Yeah, judge made the decision because they wanted okay. the continuous and continuation or whatever you call it, whatever, and the judge decided, no, it was time to do it now then. Okay. So she goes on to uh, explain about the evidence, talking about Ulmer's DNA with being uh, – she says that they believe it was planted and accuses the Cronins of trying to collect you know, money from the city, doing the scam. She brings up the memo from Christina. And uh, that, you know, highlights the personal nature of the investigation. She talks about who she's planning to call. You know, she says she's going to call Terry Spencer because we have seen him arrive. Mm -hmm. He's back out in the, you know, outside now. But we did see him arrive with an attorney. They were, you know, they were all nervous that that he wouldn't show up. But we did see him show up. So she says she's going to call Terry Spencer. She's going to call Christina Henry and Rita Tedesco. Well, the judge is like, why are you going to call Rita? <laughs> you, you guys, go ahead with this, where God. Rita reveals her secret. That well, was, first, wait, let that me was talk so first. funny. Let me, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It's if just you're funny. Rita, if you're Rita and you know that this is going on this day, why uh-huh. are you not calling sick or take off? There's nobody in there. Why would you go to work? You know who you, you know, like, come oh, on. Man. You got to be there for her man. Oh, <laughs> The best part, the best part was the inflection in the judge's voice and the look on her face, like yeah, yeah, like total shock, like <laughs> I know you, like this cannot be happening. And if you, if anybody out there after you listen goes back just to watch it again, for just pause it there for a minute and enjoy, <laughs> yeah. enjoy that, like Take just it all in. oh my gosh, I'm still cracking up about it. <laughs> She yeah. was like, how long? And she was like, 11 years or something? No, it was like 16. 16. Well, 16 okay, years, even longer. Like, like, I mean, yeah. It's just total disbelief. So, and, and then the, the Cronins, they're nervous that Terry Spencer is even at the courthouse. Yep. So, you know, Tony Chandler, you know, starts unloading all this information. And, you know, and once they reveal the secret about, you know, Rita being married to Borders, uh, Borders, he ends up just losing it. You know, he tries to be this, arrogant guy who's you know i've got one on you boss you planted evidence we're going to win this thing and he just loses it he starts swearing he starts yelling at the cronins he you know tells Threaten them yeah yes he's going to tell everything about what you did and of course the dda kennedy you know withdraws the petition for the hearing they're like okay we're not doing this you know anymore and uh the judge demands a public apology from the city to Bosch. Oh, sure, sure. We were going to do that. Yeah, right. Highly <laughs> mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. unlikely. Yeah. Can I can I tell you that this is seriously one of, if not the most favorite scenes of TV I've seen ever. All like right. I could, I, like it. I could watch the the whole from the moment we see Borders walking in until uh-huh. Bosch walking out of the, like. I just loved every minute of it. 
the yeah. judge, how she reprimands everybody. Honey Chandler, you know, I, I like legal shows, too. I've watched a lot of legal shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, I don't know the right way to be a lawyer. So maybe everybody's doing it all wrong. But, like, you see in a lot of legal dramas how the prosecution and defense were kind of up in arms and kind of animated. And I object mm-hmm. and no and rah and stating their case kind of that way. And she was so calm, cool, mm-hmm. and collected through the whole thing. It scared the crap out of me. <laughs> Okay, yeah. and I'm on yeah. Bosch's side, and I'm right, like, right. whoa. Yeah. Just the whole thing was fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. very, very powerful presence that she has. Yeah, and, and uh, for sure, she's got her stuff together. You know, it, there's, yeah, it's easy, easy to be intimidated. And she, yeah, she just laid it out there one thing at a time, and it's just like, you couldn't, you know, there, yeah, was, there I, was no if, effort to dispute it. If I am ever in trouble with the law. I need the writer and director of this episode to come train whoever I hire to be my lawyer to be yeah. just like Honey Chandler right there. That's there you what go. I there you go. I'm with you. I would want the same. So um, as, as Borders is escorted out of the courtroom, um, he basically puts the nail in his coffin <laughs> Uh, because he just outright confesses because he, you know, he says, I know you planted a pendant, which he's been saying all along, but he says, you took it from my backpack, you right. know? So he, he admits to, yes, I had the pendant, I had it in my backpack. You put it in my apartment, but I had it because I took it from her because I killed her. You know, right. he, it, there's right. just, you know, and then of course we're all like, dun, dun, dun. who looked at that backpack? Bosch never saw that backpack. Right. Chief Irving mm-hmm. saw had the backpack. Well, could that be the possible future bad guy? We spoke about this <laughs> Oh, Lord have we mercy. Did. We did. Pete is still trying to write the show. Uh, <laughs> encourage. A, he's still trying to write the show and, and recommend a storyline where Chief Irving is a big bad next season. So who knows? Who knows? It might happen. But uh, yeah, so that's, you know, we're like, oh, yeah, he just completely confessed. But then we're reminded that, um, again, that Chief Irving um, had something to do with manipulation of evidence, and that makes us feel uncomfortable. So we're feeling a victory, but that feels weird. Then we get outside, and then we find out that Terry Spencer was not there to testify or contribute. He was going to plead the fifth. Yep. So then we feel even more sort of like Ooh, not, not nervous because it's over, but like, oh, man, that was close. You know, what if he – You take a so, deep breath when that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, of course, Maddie congratulates Bosch on, uh, you know, I guess the, the quote, victory. Is that what we're going to call it, you know? And they're going to head home together. She's got to go get her stuff, which she does. Can we backtrack for a second, please? Um, yes, we doesn't may. He a, doesn't he have a confrontation with Christina Henry before he leaves the courtroom? Uh, oh, yeah. Talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, basically, they have they, – they, express their dis- their differences and the, the, the disagreement they have with each other. We learn a lot more about that. But I thought my favorite scene of this episode was actually when they went to the elevator and it was Maddie and Bosch after that. And she was like, what's her problem? And Bosch is like, she just likes to ruin my parade. And then Maddie yeah. said on the hub breath, I know the feeling. And Bosch's <laughs> yeah. face, when he turned around and looked at her and was like, excuse me, or what did you say? Yeah. It was just like a classic moment because if you watch that face, Harry Bosch nailed that moment. And, yeah. And it was just one of my favorite scenes, like acting wise and just 
the interplay with them too, or what's been going on. It's building. It's building. Mm-hmm. I mean, learn in the next scene what happens, the aftermath of it. So yeah, I just thought that was my favorite scene and yeah, talk about. Oh, definitely for sure. Yeah, it's like we've got this victorious moment, but then things start to crumble after mm-hmm. in different directions because Maddie goes to get her stuff and Tom confronts her about having he, – he believes you know that she was the one that gave the memo, and she doesn't deny it, and Tom respects that. He doesn't know what he's going to do with the information. You know, uh, She asks him, but he, he doesn't know you know if he's going to rat on her or what, but that you know he does appreciate her at least being honest with him. She should have <laughs> lied. She should have lied. <laughs> That was dumb, man. Should have lied. All this other crap she does and she can't lie when she needs to? Get out of here. (laughs) Oh, gosh. He knew. He knew anyway. (laughs) Well, let's talk some more about Maddie then, Jay. All right, let's do it. I can't wait. They go home. Well, first of all, Bosch has received a dog. That is an epic moment. And didn't you get it brought by Charlie Hoven? Uh, yeah, Charlie Hoven brought it um, to him per his request. You know, we we hear that that Harry had requested that the dog be brought to him. So um, he's trying to come up with names for this dog, Biscuit. Mm-mm, no, that's gonna not work. So uh, it was kind of funny, but. So Maddie comes out on the patio, and they're talking about the dog, and then she makes an announcement. Go ahead, Jay. Talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I want to react to it. She, (laughs) being the little brat that she is, is telling them, going back to college, like, tomorrow. Like, hey, I know things aren't easy for you, and things have been hell, and I know you just won your court case, but I'm out of here. And he's like, whoa, what, huh? And then she straight up just blames him. It's because of you. It's all you. I'm out of here because of you. Then he very sweetly says, can you at least stay through your mom's birthday? And she's like, maybe next year. And then takes off. Like, what kind of daughter are you? So you're going you're gonna to do the right thing and snap the picture and send it to Chandler to help your dad. Right thing to do. And then you're going to go do this? Really? When your dad probably needs you the most. With your right. mom's birthday coming up. Really? Okay. No. No. Might I point out oh, here that you go. Uh, no, no, no. I might point out that Bosch is reaching you know, he's got the dog, you know. She, mm-hmm. he's coming he, he's kinda connecting with something and she's running away. So I, it's it's not an excuse. I'm just pointing out the the you know, that they're opposite sort of reactions. Well thank nothing, goodness for the dog because the dog won't leave him. Okay, <laughs> he won't do that. Yeah. He'll the dog no. will be there for him. I just find I'm just pointing out that I find it interesting that that Bosch is taking a different path than normal for him. But Maddie, who is very much like Bosch, is kind of taking the usual Bosch method and just kind of avoiding it or going away or withdrawing. So Pete, wait in, and then I will uh, have my say. I, I I don't know. It seems like. Maddie did something super illegal, and she knows Tom found out, and she knows she admitted to it, and she doesn't know what's going to happen, and this is probably one of her first big adversities as an adult at Mm -hmm. her place of work, and she's acting like a child running away, but I don't think it's because of Bosch. I think it might be because of Tom. Okay. Well, I I think that she is kind of like you, Pete, struggling with what she did and what that means. Like she reacted, she, she, at the moment, she did what she wanted to do to help her dad, to save her dad, but she's kind of dealing 
with the aftermath of that and kind of having to face it now. Well, and she was she was raised to hate bad guys, and then she went through the bad guy thing to true. get her father to help yeah. her father. Yeah. Now she's starting to realize that there's a big gray area. Yeah. That sometimes people have to play in, and now she, get, maybe she's wondering how much of that gray area has my father played in throughout the years. How how much worse it was his gray area. You know, yeah, you shut down yeah. stuff like that when you do it yourself and see it and realize how easy it is. I think it's just I, I'm not condoning what she did. I'm just oh, trying no. to look at and look at why she maybe did. I think it's just all too much for her. She's 19 or 20. Bosch has been doing some things like this or dealing with these heavy situations for so much longer, you know, and she's coming off the heels of her mom dying a year ago. And then, you know, the scary stuff with her dad, being undercover, almost getting killed. And then her trying to save him by doing something. I mean, she's got a lot to do with it. And her, it's like fight or flight. And she's kind of, she fought in the moment and now she's going with flight. She's, she's leaving to get away from it. Does that mean it doesn't hurt her dad? No. Does, does that mean it couldn't have been maybe a better decision? No, it's not a defense of her. I'm just trying to look at why. So do you go defend ahead. everybody, Tracy? Do you just defend <laughs> everybody, no matter how horrible they are? You're like, well, I mean, sure, they killed 37 people, but maybe they were having a bad day. Okay. Tracy, first of no. first of all, yeah. first of all, I do not talk like that. <laughs> Second of all, I do not defend her. I tried to explain her behavior. I didn't say it was right or wrong. I tried to explain where I thought it was coming from and how it was different from the choice her dad made, which was I think is really fascinating because they are so much alike and she did what she's doing what he normally would do. But he's he's trying out something different. So dog therapy. It works. Because his daughter's running out on him. What choice? No, he, he wanted the dog before he knew she was going to leave for school early. But just let me just say this. We have another episode to go. So here's where we are with it right now. My mind will not change unless she puts it in the L.A. Times that she's sorry. <laughs> Public apology. Public <laughs> apology to her father. Okay. All right. What else do we want to hit before we get into our other segments and on to our interviews? Let's see. Uh, Crate's still making the rounds, trying to get contributions for the retirement party for Barrel. He hits up Mank in this episode. Did he ask oh. for 200 bucks? He said a double I don't know, but he, I don't know what he asked him for, but Mank didn't have any cash. Smart um, guy. He left his wallet <laughs> don't, carry, don't carry the cash. So he was going to have to circle back to him. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if he asked for a specific amount. But June meets Irving. This is a pretty big moment at his office. They're going to go to dinner, and when they walk out, he tells her he is seriously considering a run for mayor. And June looks happy, and the chief looks happy about it. He seems, don't you think? You think he seems kind of yeah. pleased with his decision? Yeah, he needs to get out of the politics of the police and just run the whole darn city. That's what I'm there saying. You go. There get you it, go. chief. Get it, buddy. I don't know, guys. He's looking more and more like Mr. Burns to me every episode. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I don't know Mr. Good. Mayor in that p- position, and, you know, Bosch likes likes to go up against the higher authorities. Just saying. Billets talks to Thorne, Lieutenant Thorne, her colleague. If you think there's something fishy about the stats? And he's just so nonchalant. He's like, no, I think everything's fine. He always thinks everything's fine. You know, he just wants status quo. And they meet with Captain Cooper. And that's just another interesting scene. I think this is the one where Captain Cooper is telling a joke or something. 
and it sounds probably like a lame joke. About the bear. The bear, yeah, yeah. Hunting, you don't really hunt here. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, it's just so funny watching Grace in these meetings with those two, because she just seems exasperated, you know, like they're so full of it. You know, she tries to, to, to play along, but, you know, she can't reduce herself to to their level. Well, she made her but, move. She made her move. At yeah, the end she of the did. Game, she and, did. And let her... me tell you something. That was a crafty way to do it. Mm-hmm. Everything, the way she got him to pay for the drink and everything without even having yeah. action. I was like, wow, you're good. You're yeah. good. Good job. A plus. She's at the bar. She calls Cheryl. It says, I'll be home soon. Scott Anderson from the LA Times shows up. She passes an envelope over and uh, leaves well, she didn't really, without paying her bills. She didn't really pass it. He came up to her and said, can I buy you a drink? And she said, I already have a drink. And then chugged the rest of the drink, put it down, got up, walked out, and in front of Scott Anderson left was an empty drink and a, right. fold, and a folder. Yeah. And then the bartender right. comes and says, you're going to pay for her drink too? <laughs> yeah. No doubt. No choice. Yeah, you're right. He just she, she just kind of left it there. It wasn't an actual exchange, and that's a good point. We also find out that Liz Clayton has left Charlie Company, so that's probably not a good sign. Um, so, so all right, interrogation room. Hit us up with a question, Jay. I wanted to go last in case somebody had my question, because I don't know if it's a good one, so I'm going to defer to Pete first. Hit us right, up well, with a question, Pete. Well, <laughs> You know, we discussed the episode, so I always think outside the box. My question last week about Irvin. This week mm-hmm. I actually have a different type of question, and it's about our beloved Maddie. So we saw a lot because the anniversary of her mom, she was looking at the um, the case of what happened and the diplomat from um, China, was it? Yeah, yeah. She waited. So she's, she's doing research now. She's learning stuff about it. Um, it kind of made me think, is it possible that Maddie is trying to pursue some sort of law enforcement so she can – pursue that case in the mm. future? Uh, you guys ever think about uh, that? You know, we never thought about it that way. Maybe she's doing it, you know, to, to get the real guy who killed yeah. her mom that is not in jail. Right. I did, I found it interesting that they showed those clips, you know, because the picture they showed him. They showed yeah. the picture of the guy. I don't, I don't think they would do that unless maybe it's a, yeah. a seed for later. Yeah. I mean, I found it interesting. They're drawing us back into it for some reason. I don't think it was just for a reference, you know. So, yeah, that, that, is, a, that is an interesting theory. And I had not thought about, like, specifics for her wanting to get into law enforcement. I just figured maybe it's like, you know, chip off the old block and, you know, she's drawn in that direction. But that, that is interesting that it could be developing into something more specific, you know, just like Harry with the murder of his mother, you yep. know. So I like go. that, Pete. I like it. What do you yep. think about that, Jay? I I didn't consider that, uh, and that's a good point. And I did wonder why we got to see this dude again, too. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I got nothing on that. I'm going to go with Pete's thought on that because I kind of like that. I didn't, I didn't consider that. Yeah, good stuff. All right, well, I, I'm just curious. What do you think um, – do you think there was a specific moment um, or – in Grace's thinking that she decided to leave that envelope for Scott Anderson. Like, you know, in the last episode, Cheryl, you know, kind of pushes her on it. You know, do you think she kind of got to her like, yeah, I should do something about it. Or do you think she's just tired of seeing the BS that, you know, can go on around her? What do you think there was anything specific that led to that or just more of a 
the general decision. See, it's interesting that you ask that because I'm going to compound that a little bit with the question that I was going with. So we can okay. kind of all answer them at the same time. And uh, because my question has to do is she really prepared to go down with the ship. She right. is definitely the captain of the ship. And I think that she'll do whatever it takes to save her people or do the best for people, uh, uh-huh. no matter what happens to her. And I think we've finally seen this now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of do wonder what was the pre- precipice of this, what mm-hmm. under your question there. And then like, is she really prepared for that is my kind of question. So to answer yours first, I think was that meeting. I was, I think it was the meeting between the three of them because, oh, okay. Okay. because I think that meeting was strictly, Hey, we're all in this together and that's the way it's going to be. And I don't want to hear anything else. Have a great day. Mm-hmm. And, and what else, I mean, it, listen, that's the reality of life in a lot of places. You got to play that kind of political game and know when to say something, when to not, and rah, rah, rah. And what a horrible position for her to be in, especially because I think, A, she is a hard worker, okay? B, mm-hmm. she does care about her people. And C, I think she genuinely wants to do the right thing across the board, and here she is not able to really do any of it. Yeah. So, and I think that for me, that meeting was the, like the straw that broke the camel's back. Okay. Okay. What do you think, Pete, about both of those questions? Um, I think it was a maneuver. I think that the Hollywood division doesn't juke the stats and other divisions are juking the stats and Hollywood division is in trouble. So if you level the playing field, you'll see that Hollywood might actually have lower numbers because they're not juking the stats. So I think she did a maneuver to save her unit and that division. Because they stopped talking about, is this division dead recently? Mm-hmm. When the first few episodes, they kept throwing it at us. Everybody kept asking. The rumors are gone now. And but now I thought Crate was looking made. at Hollywood stats. I thought Crate was looking at Hollywood stats when he when he found the discrepancies or the, you know, sort of changed I language. I don't remember them saying Hollywood when she was talking to the, um, who was she talking to? Oh, no, it was somebody else that was off. Well, also it was... was- Wilshire, I think. Maybe. Yeah, but I don't think Hollywood's was off. No, it's what I'm saying. Off. I don't I, remember Hollywood's being off. I thought that. I mean, what else would um, Crate be looking at? Is he going to be looking he, at? I thought he was other looking divisions. I, I thought he was looking at kind of like everything as a whole. I mean, oh. in each section. Maybe I missed that. I had to go back and check, but I didn't. I didn't feel like Hollywood was messed up there. Because yeah, remember she had that conversation with Scott Anderson at, at near the beginning of the season, and she's like, yeah, crime is down, da 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 And he said, no, it's not really. So I think we need to investigate a little further, get some uh, writer's room feedback right. on that. Because I like what you're thinking, Pete, about it being like a strategic thing. But uh, I thought – Because problem. she even said – here we go. Here you go, though. She even said, I was interim captain – when some of this stuff was done. And so she felt like she could possibly be liable. So it has to be about Hollywood, too. No, because as the captain, don't you have more than one division? I don't think so. Yeah, because because when they go see the captain, there's multiple lieutenants there. I don't think they're all in the same division. So while she's captain, it's happening in other divisions, which then falls in her lap. Okay, we need to make a call to Mitzi for sure and, and Tim, because I thought... Thorne was the lieutenant of over like patrol, like they're they're because like she's the detective commander. She's a lieutenant and she's a detective right. commander. You know, Mank is the watch commander. Right. And I, I thought that 
Thorne was um, lieutenant, like, over the, the beat cops. So, and I so, thought but Cooper, I, I thought for sure the them. captain had multiple people, like multiple right. areas. Maybe well, not. I don't know. know. Here's the I thing. Know. Here's the thing. People don't just do big moves like that for no reason. What does yeah. she have to gain from doing that and giving it to him? All she could do is, from what we originally said, all she's doing is throwing herself under the bus, too, with her unit. And her people yeah. and all the whole division. What is she trying to gain out of it? it I honestly, I honestly think she's just trying to do the right thing. I think Cheryl really, you know, got her thinking more about it, and you know, kind of maybe gave her that push that she needed. I, I think it's a, a sacrificial kind of thing to do in the right thing, but well, that's very moral of her. Mm-hmm. I just think there's another reason, or at least there will be another thing that comes out of it in the positive for mm-hmm. our for our people, but. Okay. I, I, right now, I don't see the I don't see the point in doing it. I mean, there's nothing to gain. All you have, all you can do is lose. So mm-hmm. if if she's that moral, then good for her. But I think there's a maneuver, and okay. we shall see. Right. Well, definitely, weigh in, folks uh, that you're listening. Tell us what uh, what you know about the captain structure and what you think about Billet's motives and all this. Uh, would definitely welcome your your feedback and thoughts on that. So, who has a person of interest for this episode? Anybody else want to go first? Anybody? You know, I'm I'm going with an unknown or an unexpected one in this episode. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, Ed Sung. I'm going to go with All Ed right. Sung. Um, because we've kind of had him, uh, I think, appear maybe to be the level-headed one there in CIU. Yeah. Obviously, the one that doesn't have the personal grudge that we're seeing here or whatever. But I really felt like even even uh, like sitting in the trial, he was very kind of calm, cool, and collected compared to everybody else. Like he comes off to me very in control, always kind of paying attention. And he doesn't really, even like the fight at the elevator, like he, he didn't even really get involved. He just de-escalated the situation. Did you notice that? Yeah. And then... The other thing, and I don't know why this episode struck me a little bit more so than others. I liked his outfit, the little Hawaiian shirt thing he was wearing today. Uh-huh. Uh, he's uh-huh. just so he's so cool, man. Uh, it's kind of like cool. a silent. Yeah. It's kind of like a silent swagger, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm gonna give it to him uh, because it's an un, unsuspecting one for this episode. Yeah. I like it. Ed Song. Well, actually, I'm gonna go with um, Christina Henry. I'm not giving her props. I she just she really showed her true colors um, because you know we know kind of what was in the memo first of all. But look at what in the courtroom the Cronins were scared. They knew they were in trouble. Borders, you know, fr- you know, just flipped because of his he has anger and he knew it was all over. Kennedy was seemed embarrassed. Ed was kind of you couldn't really get a read, but you know he was just kind of like quiet, like oh, this this is not yeah. what we thought. But she's What's she doing? She's lashing out at Bosch out, you know, in the hall. It's all about Bosch. It's all still very personal. You know, it's just a, such a distinctly different reaction from, you know, the other people on her team and and not necessarily what you think was a, a natural reaction. If you are the conviction integrity unit, right. you want the right thing to – you want the truth. And she right. was mad that the truth wasn't that Bosch was bad. She, you know, she wanted that more than the actual truth. So, I just think, yep, we know for, we've got her number now. Yeah, no, I like that. I agree, hundred percent. All right, Pete. Pete. 
I'm sure everybody believes that because of my love for Jay Egger, I was going to go with Jacques Avril. But Jacques I have Avril. a feeling. I have a feeling we're going to see him in the future. Rather, it's this end of the season, next episode, or season six. So yeah. I, I have a feeling he might be a person of interest a few times already. So sticking with the courtroom theme, I chose Judge Sobel. Oh yeah, she I Beth thought, Armstrong. She was fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought she um, carried herself the right way. I think that she is the. I personally think she's friends with Huntley Chandler, but you know when you're in when you're at work, you got to do a certain job, and I think she did it right. I still think they're friends outside of the courtroom, but in the courtroom, they know how to work with each other, and I felt like she took total command of the situation, and she gets my she's my all star MVP of the episode. There you go. I like it. I like it. Well, I think we can skip over evidence locker. That's not as crucial in this. I mean, we we did you know Pierce found that bloody right. bathtub. We're starting to you know try to figure out what's going on with that case, but other things have kind of been wrapped up. So. I think we can uh, move on to our tip line. I know we heard from at Sister Teacher. Yep. Do you have that pulled up, Jay? Always. Always. I knew Always. it. Always. And before I get into her show feedback, uh, she also made sure to write back a second time to all the dads out there just saying Happy Father's Day, too, which nice. is cool. And so uh, awesome. thanks for that. Thank you for that. Um, all right. Um so the episode for her had some hilarious moments, such as the opening scene, uh, while some others were a little more serious. Uh, Harry setting off the alarm to get him out of the house, and Honey standing at the door covering the peephole was so clever and funny at the same time. Uh, who would do something like that? Harry and Honey. Uh, the court scene was just phenomenal. I feel like we just... We're like two peas in a pod. We're, we're on the same page here. Uh, Honey honey did great and put up just like she said she would. Barnes went off when uh, discuss and, oh, cussed everybody. Where's cussed everyone out but stuck to his claim of the necklace being planted in his room? He did tell on himself, though. We all know who did that, and Harry will let him know that he knows what happened when the time is right. The dynamic between Harry and Maddie is tense but supportive. Uh, Harry got Coltrane. I'm happy for him since I think he needs a buddy. Uh, Jerry's getting too close with investigating the cops, although he is following the leads. I'm getting a bit concerned when he visited Arrows, uh, especially since it is about the man's father killing his uncle. I would have loved to hear them speak Haitian Creole. Yeah, I I could listen to that like all day. Actually, it's kind of cool. Uh, he needs to listen to Tanya. Let Harry know what's going on. We all know Harry won't let anything happen to Jerry. Uh, she also mentioned uh, she loved the culture represented by the various Caribbean nations, uh, Haiti, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Cuba, all those. Uh, and then I think the captain and other lieutenant are subliminally trying to bully Lieutenant Billets to stay in line and do what they want. Um, well, she's going to do the opposite, basically. Uh, and yep. then introducing a whole new murder case to solve by Pierce and Christine with all the cut-up body parts is making me think of Serial 1, a serial killer possibly. And something that may continue in season six, we will see. Yes, we will. Mm-hmm. And uh, can I tell you something else cool about Sister Teacher? You want to know something sure. else cool? It's top uh-huh. secret, though. It's top secret. You can't tell anyone, even though everybody's listening. <laughs> I'm going to meet her next week, Wednesday, awesome. where we do our next podcast. And I'm really excited about it. Fantastic. Yeah, Fantastic. It's Bosch family, man. 
Yep, yep. The Bosch family. I love it. That's really cool that y'all be able to connect after all this boshing right. over the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks, that's just a teacher for um for the great scoop as always. So I think we have time for one or two trivia questions and then we need to get into these uh fantastic interviews. Interviews. Trivia gets harder and harder to come up with because I know you guys are watching and freeze framing every moment and Jay's calling people on the phone. So here's what I got. It's very simple <laughs> trivia, easy trivia. Um you guys should probably get it, but you might not. So here we go. The first trivia question is in the suitcase full of body parts, right? We said body parts, arms and legs. How many body parts total? Oh, gosh. I'd rather count blueberries than body parts. <laughs> Simple question. Um, Maybe you I'm overlooked gonna, it. I'm going to go with 13. Oh, Jay? Well, I was going to go seven. Jay's closer, so he gets the win, but the answer is six body parts. Only six? Really? It yep. seemed like there was a lot in there. It did It okay. did because they showed him quick, and the thing yeah. was moving. The, the case was moving. But... Um, so, yeah, Jay gets it closer. Now, the second question. Our boy Mank, Mankiewicz. Uh-huh. How do you spell that last name? Oh, I know this one. <laughs> M-A-N-K-I-E-W-I-E-C-Z. Um, no, you got the N wrong. It's actually M-A-N-K-I-E-W-I-C-S. Oh, it's an S instead of Mankiewicz. Yes. This was a scene that I paused and paused and paused and said they might know the spelling of the name. So I have another bonus trivia question. Wait, wait, wait. Where did you see it? Did you see it on on the in the show, like on his name tag? Yes. Okay. All right. I paused the episode when he was having um, – who was he talking to in the episode? I can't remember. Well, great, probably, about the money, about the money for the party. Yes, yes, that was the scene. That was the scene, and I said, I said they're not going to pause the name of Mankiewicz because we call him Mank. Now, here's the <laughs> well, then I've been question. spelling it wrong. I've been spelling it wrong then in my recaps because I thought it ended in a Z, C-Z. Not, not in the badge that I saw. All right, yeah. Was I w. Okay. What was his badge number? Oh, glory. Uh, no idea. Jay? 5038. Nope. It is 6437. That's what I said. Right. That's what I said. <laughs> um, and so I also want to throw out there that according to the cast list on IMDb, Tracy's spelling is correct. And just for the heck of it, I'm I'm going to uh, the press site for Bosch to see what Amazon says it might be. Um. Because I wonder if IMDb is wrong or the name tag is printed wrong. You know what? Look, look at this. Great yeah. uncovered those fishy stats. We have uncovered something fishy here, I think. I know. See? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what have we stumbled upon, guys? I don't know! <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe they didn't. Maybe they assumed that three listeners weren't going to create a podcast and have crazy <laughs> trivia questions where they pause every freeze frame and take every detail to the heart. And maybe not. We'll we'll get to the bottom of this because yeah. that's that's what we we'll do. have to report back to this one because it's going to take a few minutes and we gotta we gotta get to the interviews. I do want to, if you don't mind, I just want to ask one of the trivia questions that Joseph uh, submitted, if that's okay. Oh yeah, yeah, please yes. do. Uh, would you like the harder one or the easier one? Because he's got a bunch. You want the harder, harder. one? All right. Harder. What is 
the can that's on top of the microwave in the Hollywood Division break room. The coffee can. It's what, a can of coffee. What kind of coffee? I need specifics here, Tracy. We don't we don't do generalities. It's not Folgers. Nope. Uh, um, I noticed Chocolate it. Full of nuts. Correct. Correct. Nice, Pete. Correct. Nicely done. Dun, dun, dun. I, I, here's the thing. Um, I actually I actually was watching the episode and there was a I think there was a banner above the coffee that said like the um something in the flesh or something and I was gonna use that as a trivia question. I decided not to because I figured it would be too hard or too easy. But I think uh, I remember the coffee can being the yellow and black or something. So that's right. nice work, dude. Nice Give work. us one more from Joe because he, he that's really nice of him to send those in. See, that one's tough. That one's tough. Oh, uh, that's, that's a good one because uh, I noticed this one too. At the courthouse, when Harry and Maddie are leaving, they get on, what floor do they leave from? Four. I would say four also. You guys are way, way, way off. 17th. 17th. Good grief. Why did we think of four? I don't know. Why did we both think of four? <laughs> I, I thought four right away like it was confident. Like I had swagger. I know. It was like, in my... Like Charlie yeah. Hogan swagger. No, I, I, I remember noticing it because when there's the elevator, it had the little 17 there, and I'm like, they're on the 17th floor? That's weird. I didn't even realize that was one of his questions. Yeah. Wow. Nice, Joe. You got it. Good job, Joe. All right. Well, um, if you haven't ordered a T-shirt, you can still mm-hmm. do it. Um, I ordered mine. I ordered mine. Shout everybody out to Everybody counts or nobody counts to uh, help out my friend's place, Los Angeles. Do so it. Go out to Michael Conley's uh, Twitter, and you can find the link out there. Get yourself a shirt. Be in the shirt club. So, all right. Well, thanks, guys. It is time for some interview action with Troy Evans and Gregory Scott Cummins. Yes. I will check you guys later. See ya. Bye. Hey, folks. This is Troy Evans. I am lucky to play uh, a part of Barrel, half of the duo of Creek and Barrel, on the sensational uh, Amazon series. Bosch, B-O-S-C-H, and uh, uh, thanks for listening to the Everybody Count podcast. I co-host the Everybody Count podcast dedicated to all things Bosch with my pals Jay and Pete. They are not able to be on the call today, so they are really missing out, but thank you so much for for joining me. This is this is real exciting. You're definitely a fan favorite, your character on the show. So Well, that's a very nice thing for you to say. <laughs> but, uh yeah. But well, believe me, I am so happy to be there. Yes. Know? Good, uh, good, good. It shows. So well the first thing, one of my co hosts, Pete, he was just totally obsessed with the Koreatown killer case. So I want to talk about the Zen Masters moment in season four when Creighton Barrel solved that case. How fun was that to do? And would you say that Creighton Barrel don't always get the credit they deserve? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, here's here's the deal on on Creighton Barrel. Okay, is uh, it's exactly like 
any working situation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's let's say uh, instead of cops, let's say he and I work in a uh, repair shop for the uh, city of L.A. for for street equipment. Okay. And we're the two old guys. We've been there forever, <laughs> and we know everything, and we're sort of full of shit, and people give us <laughs> crap, and but but they know that uh, every once in a while something's going to happen that we're the only ones who actually know it. Yeah. And yeah. and it's sort of like that. They're you know mm-hmm. they're not just showy. They're just plugging along. They're just doing the job. And the you know the 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 magic moment of that whole storyline is when we you remember we're we're headed yeah. back to the station uh, right. with uh, with Amy and mm-hmm. and we hear the call there's been an accident we stop and look and the cops are just treating it as a car accident mm-hmm. and uh, we see the gun yeah yeah well we know you know we aren't thinking the Koreatown killer but we're thinking. Right. Why? Why? Why does this uh, uh, sack of meat here have a gun? Yeah, yeah. We'll just, uh, you know, and uh, you know, we've met. Uh, it's one of the the blessings of the way Michael Connolly works. You know, there mm-hmm. are a lot of real cops around there, right? And the thing they have in common is they want to solve the case. Okay. You know they don't. That is, they they aren't like somebody who's working a crossword puzzle, and they get to a point well they don't they don't know what it is, and they just put it away. Right. Cops don't put it away. Right. To, you know if, if you yeah, follow the, the L.A. Times, there, there are stories in there almost every week now of mm-hmm. uh, some guy who solves a murder that happened in 1976. Mm-hmm. You know, because. Mm-hmm. He had that case, and he follows it, which is basically what the story of, of Harry Bosch is also. But, sure. You know, it's totally, totally based on reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That that's, that, that's the one thing. And, and you talk to them, they all, they all have a case in the back of their mind, something, one case that's hanging. Yeah, okay, and so okay. That... But that that day, I'll tell you that that day when we shot the scene, the Zen Master scene, <laughs> and I I wish I had footage of it because yeah. it was so. And we're we're doing that that moment where uh, you know, where we make the connection that the, you know, that the dots are connected, and we realize it's mm-hmm. the Koreatown killer, mm-hmm. and we jumped up and we're and we're hugging each other and. Uh, one of us uh, went up. We'd lost the, the thread of the scene. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the, the cameras are still running, and, and we're celebrating. And, and I said, hug me again. And he grabbed <laughs> me and hugged me again. And in fact, Patrick Cady, who was the, the cinematographer on that episode, he uh-huh. had cups made up for us. I'm looking uh-huh. at one in front of me right now. Uh, awesome. uh, it says Bosch season four, and it's a, like a, a stylized image of me and Greg, and it says, "Hug me again." <laughs> and it That's was just, awesome. it was just a, yeah, it was just a one wonderful moment because because the uh, uh, the magic of the fiction of it carried over into the, you know, into, and, into yeah, the moment there on the set. Yeah. We we yeah. all we it, it was 
Uh, and, of course, forgive me, I probably sound like the biggest kiss-ass on the planet, but <laughs> the writers, the writers, my God. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, just think of that, that simple little two words. Right, you know, right. Zen masters. It's just, it's just brilliant. So yes, definitely. Uh, well, the, the viewers, the fans, we loved it. It was. It just, it only took those two words. It was just perfect. And then hearing the background from you makes it even richer. It was just a fabulous, fabulous moment. So that's awesome. Okay, just a lighthearted question: Do you, Troy, enjoy a good breakfast as much as your character Beryl? And if so, are there any favorite breakfast dishes or places to get breakfast for you? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh <laughs> now, uh, do, uh, are are you in Los Angeles? No, I'm actually on the East Coast in Atlanta. Oh, oh, okay. Well, this is for for people in in, in yeah, Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah. Uh, it's a a bakery slash uh, restaurant that kind of coffee and and wonderful uh-huh. baked goods and. And uh, it's called the Little Candy and Flower Company. Huh, and, okay. Uh, my wife and I go several times a week. I usually they always have at least two flavors of quiche, and I usually oh, have I quiche, quiche and a little salad. Yeah, uh-huh. and a, and a and a mocha, and yeah. So that's that's that's, a great that's spot, it. Huh? Uh, okay. Okay. Now I'll tell you another one. This is for people okay. in another part of the country. We, I'm originally from Montana, and uh-huh. I think this place still exists, but I, I haven't been there for a few years now. But in the little tiny town of Lakeside, Montana, which is a few hundred people, and it sits on the edge of Flathead Lake, which is just a little tiny 263-square-mile pristine glacial-fed mountain lake up in the Rocky Mountains. Okay. And the homestead, uh, their slogan is, they are home of the big ass breakfast, <laughs> and you know how you go in, how you go in, in restaurants now, and you can buy, yeah. uh, uh, you know, like caps and and t-shirts yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the and merchandise. They, mm-hmm. And they sell underwear, <laughs> and across the back it says, "Homestead, home of the big ass breakfast." <laughs> Oh, and, man. And, and oh. Now, 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 if I was going to the homestead, I'd have steak and eggs, and it's it's basically, okay. it would, would feed a, a small platoon. Okay. Know, yeah. Uh, but, uh, so there's there's two <laughs> two favorite places of mine. Wow. Okay. Those uh, are good tips. Those are hot tips, I would say. Excellent. Yes. Okay. Very, very good people in both places, by the way. Nice. Good to, good to hear. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Beryl's disdain for Officer Powers. I just kind of want to find out, is there more to it than Powers being so much less experienced on the job? Is it bigger than that, or is it just that he doesn't, you know, he's a youngin? Oh, well, you know, my take on it is that Powers has a bad attitude. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and then the, the, the fact that, so... Uh, and then, and then, oh, what's the name of the other young officer there? It's Adrian. It's Adrian Bustamante is the name of the actor. Uh, let me see if I can find. It. But but he, you know, when we get in a car wreck, it's yeah. Powers and 
and and the other guy, Bustamante. Yeah. And now this is a little, this is a little inside baseball too. We so we shot that whole scene, and we and we have a, a bad feeling there because we each feel that the other one caused the accident and all that, right. all that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So then we came back uh, the next day and we're out, we're reenacting that same scene while they okay. shoot the, the actual crime that we were headed towards, which is a right. block down the street. So, yes. uh, and, and this is just, just safety, you know, I mean, they can't mm-hmm. hear us. They can barely see us. But it's so if the camera angles such it's just that the action that the people are still down there and it's right. like the accident doesn't just disappear because now they're shooting. So exactly. so we were loosely reenacting the scene, but we were uh-huh. uh, just ad libbing for our own entertainment, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Adrian had the collar brace on, uh, or actually okay. he 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 was hurt, and the and the ambulance pulls in, and we're we're bickering, and and I said, hey. Your Uber's here, you f- and and he said to me, "I thought this was so brilliant, particularly for a young actor to an older actor." He said, uh-huh. "Hey, I've been meaning to ask you. Uh, uh, do you have a clip ready for for the Academy? Uh, you know, for that in memoriam." <laughs> he he went there. Yeah, he got that in memoriam clip picked out. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So. So that's yeah. I, I think it's just yeah, and I think just uh, you know, Powers is kind of a dick. Mhm, mhm. You know, yeah. so I think that's all it is. And, yeah. Uh, okay. And and I think Barrel has kind of a nose for that. You know. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. can spot it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Detective Johnson has made it clear on multiple occasions that he does not want anyone else to take over Lieutenant Bill's job. Is that more because he knows what to expect from her or he really appreciates her style of leadership? Oh, I think a little from column A and a little from column B. Okay, but, that's fair. You know, what, what, if, you know, here's a guy who's just hanging on, you know, and, and I, I, I'm so appreciative of the way they've written that. You know, mm-hmm. most cops are retired uh, yeah, most cops at my age would have been retired for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And that they've, mm-hmm. they've written that in such a way that I get to stay there. I, you know, I, I really uh-huh. think that's fantastic. So a guy who's been around that long, mm-hmm. he wants things to work, and he wants to be able to work in his way. You okay. know? So yeah. here's yeah. somebody I know. You're always going to have some friction with the person that's supervising you, but this yeah. is a person who I know is going to be fair, who who's who's decent to work with, who knows the job, and so yeah, of course he wants to wants to keep her around. Yeah, yeah. And and I, and I have to say this: I think that I think this cast is spectacular, and you know I I. <laughs> I been around good actors before. You know, I was on ER mm-hmm. for nine years, mm-hmm. and they had mm-hmm. some kind of good actors on ER. You know, yeah. but the, the yeah. actors in this are so great, and yeah. I think of all of them, I I believe Amy Aquino as a cop as much as I believe any of them. I mean, yeah, I think she's Absolutely. cop right down to her right down to her toenails. You know, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. 
She's awesome. She's just mm-hmm. cop, Her cop, cop. Everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She nailed it. Um, yeah. What, what was it like for you to play Beryl as being at odds with Crate some this season? I mean, you guys, two characters always kind of rib each other, but you guys were actually at odds some, you know, and did that feel strange trying to play that at first? Uh, well, it was, uh, honestly, it was painful. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, okay. And, you know, just like, just like, uh, in real life, you know, you. Uh, I was wondering, well, are they going to, you know, is one of us going to go? Yeah. You know, yeah. Are, is that is that what they're writing? Or is, it, is this the end of Crate and Barrel, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, the, uh, but the other thing is that, again, comes back to these brilliant writers. You know what they've written is a mm-hmm. marriage. Yeah, it's you know that true. that yeah. that Beryl has had this whole series of marriages that don't work, except mm-hmm. yeah, his marriage to Crate. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. That's how these guys, and that's and that's why their argument was so intense. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they are joined at the hip. Yeah, you know, and and uh, that's so. Yeah, I I just I thought that whole thing was actually delicious, but kind of hard because it's yeah, uh, and yeah. and you know he's as he's as sweet a guy as you will ever meet in your life. He's mm-hmm. just a he's just a wonderful guy. There there are a couple. Well, I, I there's some things I can't tell you because they're kind of personal. <laughs> he might not want them revealed. Oh yeah, but yeah, no, no. Let me just say he he does wonderful things for people and just mm-hmm. and things that are just uh so generous and mm-hmm. and things no one else would think of it, it, he's it's just wonderful to be around and and i yeah. and i i love i love the dynamic yeah now i will tell you do it now do you want to hear a funny story about him of course <laughs> and i and i swear this is i swear this is true <laughs> Okay. When you know we both started on you know we did the pilot and mm-hmm. uh you know if you look at my IMDb mm-hmm. I I've, I've done a lot of television shows. Yeah. Now I've done mm-hmm. I don't know how many series I've worked on but at least 100. You know maybe yeah. maybe yeah. 2 or 300. You know one episode right. here, two episodes there. And once in a mm-hmm. while, a home run like ER, where I did 130 of those. But usually one of these. So when I did the pilot of that, that wasn't a series deal. That was, you know, we're a couple of cops. And and I thought, well, maybe if we're lucky, we'll do two or three episodes of this. Okay. So then we do, all, I think, every episode that first season. Then we come back the second season. And mm-hmm. uh, our first day, I came in. And what I do is rather than wait in the trailer, I get all ready to go, and I go in uh-huh. and I sit at their desk on the set. And then I don't uh-huh. have to go through that thing where they knock on the door, they need you on the set. I'm dragging my tired old ass down the side. I'm there. You know, yeah, when they're ready, I'm, I'm already there. So I take yeah. a book. Or I take, on this day, I've taken my mail with me. Okay. And I'm sitting there going through my mail, and uh, Greg comes in. And he looks down, and he said, what the hell's that? <laughs> I said, it, it's a catalog. 
He said, what kind of a catalog? I said, it's a crate and barrel catalog. He said, let me see that. <laughs> and he grabbed a catalog. He said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They named a store after us. <laughs> He'd done a whole season. He didn't a know. A whole season of Bosch, and he'd never heard of Crate and Barrel. Oh, my God. He didn't, That's amazing. He didn't get the joke at all. <laughs> That that is just fantastic. That is fantastic. And, oh and, my god! You know, I mean, I he's it. tried to pass it off. So, you know, he, he, a, a few times I tell that story. I've tortured him with that a few times. And he said, "Well, I, I was just playing with you." You know, no, yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. He 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 had never heard of Crate and Barrel. So. Oh my goodness, that that's golden. Oh my, I love it. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. That's pretty cool. Um. Yeah, well, that's um, fun. Um, well, um, we usually finish up our interviews with um, just a silly game, and there's no right or wrong answer. If, if anything, you can score points with your castmates, but um, you, 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 other than that, there's really no points. <laughs> so we give you um, – I'm going to give you three choices for each little scenario. It's, it's not complicated. I, I'm probably making it sound complicated. <laughs> but um, you can choose Amy Aquino. Titus Welliver or Gregory Scott Cummins. So you can okay. choose any of them, not their characters, but just, just the, you know, the actors, you know, your friends. Um, as okay. you know them and personally. it's the, the same, uh, Amy, uh, Amy Scott and who else? Amy, Titus what? or Greg. Okay. Amy, Titus or Greg. Yeah. Okay. So you have to choose one of them who's going to make you a homemade breakfast. Who would you choose? Oh, Amy for breakfast. I hope okay. that doesn't sound sexist, but Amy, Amy, no, no, Amy no. likes a project. She likes a project, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know she okay. makes that really good jam for the Alzheimer's fundraising. So I, I know she she likes to to make things. So that's that's good. Um, okay, now you can you can always choose her again. You don't have to pick someone different each time. Right, it's I just you. Okay, so it's uh, today's April fifteenth. If you hadn't done your taxes or had your accountant do your taxes and you've got to grab one of these three to prepare your taxes today, Amy, Titus, or Greg? Oh, that's Amy again. Amy okay. is Miss de- Detail. 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 Okay. Detail. Okay. Wow. All right. He's definitely scoring points with Amy. Okay. All right. Last one. I really like uh, Beryl's hat that he wears on occasion. Is it a fedora? Is it technically a fedora? Oh, uh, I, I'm not sure. I think we could call it a, a, a narrow-brim fedora. Okay. All right. Let's go with that. Who could rock Beryl's narrow-brimmed fedora the best if they were going to wear it three. as an accessory of those three? Mm-hmm. Oh, Titus. Titus. Okay. Yes. I like that. I, and, think, I think he'd look good. And Am I taking too much of your time? No, absolutely not. Okay. All right. So I, I, I have to tell you a quick story about Titus. Oh, good. And that yeah, hat. But yeah. this, this, this covers a whole other. Titus, <laughs> uh, first of all, I want to take the opportunity to tell you that I've, I've known him for over 30 years, probably closer to okay. 40 years. And, okay, wow. Uh, you know, Titus has been a working actor in the trenches for decades and mm-hmm. he's, he's mm-hmm. had you know good parts 
But this mm-hmm. is first time as what we call number one on the call sheet. And you okay. find yep. out um, and you find out an awful lot about a person when they become number one on the call sheet. Sure. And essentially yeah. you find out if deep down inside they're really a dick, right? Okay. And yeah. Titus is the furthest thing from it. He's just, uh, what it's done is given him the opportunity to show how smart, how generous, and how caring Mm. he is about everybody. And as to the title of your podcast, that's Uh like you look at, look, you look at his Instagram feed and uh, what, you know, when we're shooting and what's in it, crew members, crew members day after Mm. day people that a lot of guys in his position completely ignore. Yeah, okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And and he embraces everybody. But what what uh another thing about him is he's incredibly knowledgeable about many many things. He's he's okay. uh, you know he's a he's he's a painter, he reads, he oh. he consumes uh, lots and lots of of, of information, he knows all kinds of things about movies and music, and and wow, I came on the set uh, the first day. They give me that hat. It was the first time we'd been outside somewhere, and I okay. came in and I had that hat on, and Titus looked up and he said, "That summer wind." Uh huh. Now, now I'll tell you what's remarkable about that. Okay, okay. In nineteen in nineteen fifty seven, uh-huh. Frank Sinatra re- released an album called That Summer Wind. And on oh. the cover oh. he's wearing that freaking hat. Oh my gosh. Wow. He's a sharp and fellow. I, now well, and I I guess I'm giving myself but I mean I'm bo- I'm older than Titus. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. but to have okay. two guys on the set who yeah. knew what the hell that meant. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. That's pretty epic. Yeah, yeah. 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 He has an cool. encyclopedic knowledge of all, of a lot of kind of obscure things. So Nice. I, that's, anyway. that's cool. That's, 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 a, that's a fun person to talk to, for sure. Yeah, that's really yes. cool. Yes, yes. And, well, and may I may I put in another another plug while I'm picking my favorite people in the universe? Oh yeah, keep it going. Uh huh. There is there is no actor on earth who is better than Jamie Hector. Oh, Jamie yes, Hector, I love him. Mm-hmm. He and and again, I, I I just I can't tell you how nice he is. But yeah. mostly, he is unbelievably good. Yeah. And yeah. as I've said before, I've known a lot of actors. I know a lot of really good actors. And I've mm-hmm. never seen sure. or heard or anyone better than Jamie Hector. Yeah. And he's paying I it forward now. Sky- his, uh, his Moving Mountains thing, organization, he's paying it forward now. He's passing that on, which is awesome. Too. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. He's he's, you know, there's the, you know, I'm I'm 71 years old, mm-hmm. and most 71 year old actors are down at the coffee shop, and I'm okay. still playing mm-hmm. a cop on TV, and I'm not only yeah. playing a cop on TV, I'm playing it with these guys. Yeah, yeah. With these guys well, who are sensational. 
So uh, if, if, if you want to make a nominee for the executive vice president of the Lucky Club, I, I would accept the nomination. <laughs> you accept the nomination. Well, I'm sure they feel the same about you and your history and all that you bring to the table. So don't sell yourself short. Well, you know, I, I don't suffer from excessive modesty. But I, I'm 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 well aware. You know, I I've, I've worked on shows where I, I I honestly felt that I was a much better actor than any of the people who were who were doing the leads on the series. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's not how I feel here. Yeah. Okay. I feel okay. like I, I mean I I feel fully capable of swimming in these waters, but I can't yeah. go in there and dick around. Yeah, I have to go yeah. in there and I have to bring it. Yeah, bring it. And you do. You know? Yeah, so. I hear you though. Yeah, that's you're you're in good company for sure. Yeah, for sure. By the way, th- thank you for doing the podcast and for including me. Oh, that's pretty sweet of oh. you. Oh, oh, I've I've been looking forward to this. So yeah, you you and um, Greg won an award on our podcast awards last season, best duo. Really? Against, oh yeah, you. Beat oh yes. And Jane, yeah, so you um, and it's voted on by the the fans, um, you know, listeners of the podcast. We put a survey out there, and um, they voted for you guys, which I thought was a great choice. So yeah, well, I mean, of course we're the, we're the of course they would we're the, the Zen masters. masters exactly. I mean, yeah, it's a no brainer. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, we they we named the store the- after us. They named what store after us? Oh, that one is so great. So great. So, um, uh, well, we, yeah, we love just, um, you know, we obsess over the show and just, it's just so rich and just so real. And um, we've talked, been able to talk to Mitzi and Tim some and get those insights. It's just, we can't, we can't get enough of Bosch. So um, this has been, this has been fantastic yeah. with all your insights. Well, those two, I mean, can, can you, can you believe those two? You know, I mean, I know. <laughs> you know, she 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 brought she, you know, to our first season. She's she's over there advising our show, and meanwhile, she brought down a serial killer. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, how how so does I, how does she do it all? I don't know. I, I told her before. Yeah. Like when we talked to her, it's like talking to a superhero from your favorite books, you know. And it really, I mean, that's the way. That's the way I think of them. I, I just I just want you to know this too. You could tell I'm just yeah. in love with this whole project. And Michael Connolly, mm-hmm. uh, he, here's a guy who, if you're going to be an arrogant guy, there's a guy who's got some things. <laughs> who could be, you know, yeah, to brag about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is so down to earth, and he's so yeah. And this whole thing of of the name of your podcast, everybody counts or mm-hmm. nobody counts. Mm-hmm. That's how he rolls. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. He, yeah. He's it, it's just it's 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 really inspiring. You yeah. know, uh because uh, sure. we we've all known instances of somebody who who uh, espouses uh, some kind of a a philosophy like that, but in but in practice they're a dick. But yeah. but not Michael yeah. Connolly. No, he's, he's modest radio. and yeah. generous and yeah. So Lucky me. That's all I got to say. Yeah, you're and lucky to meet you. Yeah. Oh, I feel likewise. This has been quite a pleasure. Lots of fun and insightful. So it's been awesome. Okay. Well, I'd be 
I'd be happy to come back anytime. If we do, okay. you know, season, season might... 15, maybe. No, oh, actually, yeah. actually yeah. If, if if they go to season 15, I'll be doing my part from Forest Lawn Cemetery. So. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Have a beautiful day, and uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Okay. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you, Tracy. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, this is Greg Cummins or Gregory Scott Cummins. Uh, I'm Crate from the partner team of Crate and Barrel on Bosch uh, for Amazon Prime. And uh, I'm by far the best looking one of the two. And uh, we want to say hello to everyone at Everybody Count Podcast. Have a great day. Watch the show. I've been on Jay, my co-host, and again, I'm Hi, Jay. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm extremely good-looking today, thank you. Um, Yeah, uh, I I really don't care how I feel. It's just pretty much uh, Uh, how I look look is the only thing important to me. It's it's what I, 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 I say. All those acting class years were just completely wasted. (laughs) <laughs> I've made a living for 33 years now on nothing but my good looks. And, you know, when they wanted a good-looking bad guy, they hired me. And if they wanted an ugly bad guy, well, they'd hire someone else. You know? Someone else. There you go. Priorities. <laughs> That's all about the priorities. <laughs> if, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We host the Everybody Counts podcast, which obviously we pulled the name from the creed of Harry Bosch, Everybody Counts or Nobody yeah. Counts. And uh, we appreciate cool. everyone's opinion. So that we're saying everybody's oh, opinion course. counts. And I have to tell you up front that um, we've talked with Titus, we've talked with Troy, we've spoken with Amy, and they've all had really good things to say about you. So I'm not no pressure, oh. but but you know yeah. they, they set the bar pretty high. So. <laughs> Oh, well, they're good liars. They're good liars. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. So, um, yeah, we're going to jump in. Jay has the first question for you. Absolutely. All right. So you you sound a lot like Crate, but do you Mm -hmm. change up your voice at all or alter your voice at all to be Crate? Well, actually, that's a very good question because Mm -hmm. I was saying to Troy in the – Literally the first season, I uh-huh. said, I have never had a role where I had so much of myself in the character that I'm playing. I don't even feel like I'm acting. I, 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 <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, they wrote a character that just, it's almost like it's, sometimes when I read the dialogue, I think what I would say next, and then I read the page, and, and my God, they wrote that same dialogue. <laughs> It, it's like it's wow. like they wrote a character for me. I mean, I, I you know I I played bad guys. I do accents. I played gay queens. I you know do lots of different character roles for yeah. years. I I played real mean, psychotic, crazy bad guy. I lower my voice real low, and I get you know I just change my <laughs> movements, my bodies, my mannerisms, yeah. my looks, and so I've been a character actor for years. And and it's about you know playing Colombians, playing Russians, you know whatever, and um, and so I, to 
Gail Roll that is actually, this has been the closest to any character I've ever, to myself, than any wow. character that I played. I, Interesting. I literally, it's like, it's like the role was written for me because I can be <laughs> really serious and really tough if I need to be in life. Sure. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm, I can have a real serious side, but then I have a real goofy side, and mm-hmm. they're they're co- I know cops that are friends of mine that have the same thing. They're just they're like that. They're real serious when they need to be, and then and then it's letting off steam. It's joking around. It's practical jokes. It's I mean, it's sure. like that's this. It's like the character was written for me. I I mean, it's like what I'm seeing up there on screen is like me. Sometimes I, I, I'm a little goofier than that, even in real life, but I have to hold back on that a little bit okay. just to, to keep the playing the, the moment, the, the realism of the moment, the seriousness of the moment. But, you know, I um, it, it's the characters. Uh, I mean, it's like I'm not even acting. It's like I'm playing myself, which I've never, had a, I've never had a role where I actually played myself so much to this degree. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I love it. Yeah, well, this yeah. next question, we'll, we'll test that a little bit to see if, uh, if okay. you are indeed like your, your character. So it, it, in Bosch, if Phillips wants to get on Crazy mm-hmm. Bill's good side, she's been known to treat them yeah. to breakfast. Now, we talked to Troy, yes. and he filled me in on some great breakfast places. Are you, mm-hmm. Greg, a big fan of breakfast also? And if so, what's a favorite spot? Oh gosh, uh, you know, you know, I don't have an answer, good answer for that one because <laughs> I don't eat breakfast in real life. Ah, I, I, okay. I just, I, I literally uh, eat about one meal a day, and and just to keep the weight down. And uh, I'm fine. I've been a little naughty the last three or four months, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in a crash two and a half month diet to get back down to my boss weight. Um, ah, I, I just, you yeah. know, I, I always had this high, so I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't go to breakfast much. I mean, you know, I, okay. I, I just, I just don't have a, I don't have a favorite breakfast place in okay. LA because, no you know, occasionally you'll have those waffle uh, pancake houses that, uh-huh. that are like the Belgian waffles and, and you'll find a neat place like that. But I, I couldn't even name one. I haven't okay. been to breakfast in so long, but uh, yeah. Oh. But I was jealous during the show that he yeah. got to go to all these breakfasts with her, <laughs> and, and I only got to go to one, and they didn't show yeah. it. They didn't so, show it. So I said, "You get to go eat all these breakfasts with with uh, with Amy, and and I'm stuck, you know, uh, you know, in the squad room." That's funny. That's so funny. maybe yeah. maybe we found the one departure. From between you and your yes. character, then <laughs> maybe we yeah. can in on it. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, although actually, I do like to eat a lot, and and okay. I think Crate and Barrel like to eat a lot too. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I so that is actually not far from me. It's just okay. I'm trying to be good now. Gotcha, gotcha. Fair enough. Oh man! All right. So I heard a rumor, and I need to know if it's true or not. Is it is it true that you weren't familiar with the crate and barrel brand, the furniture and decor, before taking on this role? No, Troy. Troy is exaggerating. I swear <laughs> to God, I, I had a momentary, I had a momentary senior lapse when he was in when he was getting his knee surgery done after the first season. I think it was after the second season. Uh-huh. And I completely blanked out, and I forgot about Crate and Barrel. But I knew it from the beginning 
but Cray, uh, the toy, he's been used in that story. And he tells everybody, and it's not completely true. It's, I, I had a I had a blank out moment for a moment where I just like totally forgot about it. And, yeah. And but I knew when we started the show that it was off Crate and Barrel. But I did have a moment where he was coming out of surgery where I went, oh wait, you it's like a it's 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 like a. Uh, there's a store named Crate and Barrel, and, and I just forgot that I knew it already. But So I, okay, I did have okay. a moment where I forgot, but mm-hmm. he, has, uh, he has just milked that story like crazy. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, okay. I let him have his fun. You let him have his fun. <laughs> well, I, I, had to get, I had to get you both on record about it. Once he brought it up with me, I had to get your take. It is true. Fair, there fair. was a momentary – I had a momentary senior lapse <laughs> which I, I do occasionally now that I'm I'm not the the young man I used to be, and uh, I, I I spaced out for a moment, and uh, and he's never let me forget it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very very good. Well, um, are there any lessons you learned while playing football that you can apply to acting? Oh well, that could be a very big conversation. I'll have to try to condense it. Yes, 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 and yes, yes. Okay. Uh, Lots of yeses to that. Okay. Um, Number one, it wasn't just football, too. It was baseball, too. I was uh, Mm. drafted by the – I was going to be drafted by the A's as shortstop in the the 10th round, and I told them not to draft me because I was going to go to college. Okay. uh, uh, During the the draft in 1974. But – uh, I ended up giving up baseball once I was in college. That's a long story. But as far as just the sports in general or the football, the team sports, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that that has prepared me immensely for the acting because when I used to start acting and when I was taking the training in college and you know getting on stage and all that, you know, I had all that stage fright in the beginning because you're just unsure of yourself. But once mm-hmm. I got to a certain level where I knew I was capable of going out the 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 mental preparation when you play in front of a hundred thousand people in a stadium and 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 i was a punter in football but you know if you fumble the ball you make a bad kick or whatever i mean it's you know the game's on the line you got a hundred thousand people looking i I was fearless in sports i wanted to be the one up in the bottom of the ninth with two outs uh two runs behind with the bases loaded I mean, uh-huh. I wanted to be in those positions. I I had no fear. I wanted to be the here. I you know the, the 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 hero. The the you know I wanted to be the one to win the game. Uh, so uh, for me, any nervousness just kind of turned into um, uh, excitement to go yeah. out and kind of show people what I could do. Okay. And and so I wanted to be in all those game clutch winning situations so when i took it to stage and then film and tv i i did the same thing i used to have other actors that would be nervous around me going on stage mm-hmm. and they they would get incredibly nervous and it would become a negative they would kind of they, they would have to fight and struggle and for me i'd be off the side going i can't wait to get out there i cannot wait to get out there i just because i'm ex- it would turn into excitement for me I wouldn't, there was no negative. It was just a positive, you know, it was a can't wait to get out and show them what I can do. And um, so that's where I, it just, 
So once you hit a certain level, and and as far as the, um, you don't win every game. You know, mm-hmm. you don't win. Right. You're, you're going to lose. You're not going to have a perfect take. You're not, uh, our auditions, you're not going to have, yeah. you're not going to get every audition. You have to be able to take uh, loss or to take denial and right. uh, turn it around and come back with a positive attitude, uh, work harder, try to figure out what you did wrong, come back, work hard, keep a positive attitude. Don't get negative and down on yourself. If you think mm-hmm. you're not going to win, you're right. You know, yeah, yeah. I always used my mom used to always say, if you think you can't, if you think you're not going to win, you're right. Or if you think mm-hmm. you're not going to ex- succeed, right. you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, so basically, if you come back each time with a positive attitude, and you might lose two or three games in a row, but each time you you don't you get you work harder, you keep mm-hmm. thinking positively, or it's like taking a bad shot in golf. It's you mm-hmm. just have to turn your mind around. And it has helped me immensely with, I don't take auditions personally. I don't, if I don't get it, I don't get it. It's, uh, it, it's not right. If I feel like I did a good job and I didn't get it, um, it's, there's, there's a lot of reasons people get cast mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with the choices you made or the person that you are. Okay. And uh, right. so, yes, it, it, sports is a perfect parallel, not just for acting, uh, yeah. and the acting industry and the auditions and the—I mean, people get a lot of no's in the business. Well, that's the way sports is. You don't win. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're in the Hall of Fame in baseball if you if you get hit one out of three pitches uh, for yeah, your entire right. career. That means you know you're in the Hall of Fame with a 3.33 average. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, so that means you lost. You you struck out or you grounded out twice out of every mm-hmm. three t- times at bat. So that's mm-hmm. the way I look at it and. Uh, and that's that's the way I go at life too, and other things that I've been successful in, you know, whatever uh, business. It's everybody that I know that came from the sport world has been pretty darn successful at whatever they've gone on to uh, achieve mm-hmm. in whatever areas of their life because of those things. It, we don't really learn that in classes, you know, where you okay, take classes, right. you take tests, and all that. It's it's you know the hard work you do in a sport, you know, the working out and and an actor has to stay in shape. You have to stay mm-hmm. vocal. So you have to be you know, your, your body in shape. You have to, it's, you know, it can be a rigorous job, yeah. especially if you have fight scenes and action scenes and sequences. You have to mm-hmm. take care of yourself. So there is a correlation. Yeah, awesome. a very big correlation. It helped me immensely. Great, great. And like you said, those are lessons that can apply uh, all over. So, Everything. yeah, that's some good stuff. Absolutely. And people used to say it at the time, and I never... I never saw it completely, but once you grow older, then oh my God, you you realize it's become part of your nature, and, uh, <laughs> and it helps. Okay, it helps. All right. All right. You have a question, Jay? Yeah. So, does does do Crate and Barrel have a secret weapon? Any kind of secret weapon behind them? And if so, what would it be? Oh. Secret weapon. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's they're a awesome. dynamic duo. What's 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 their secret? They're the Zen masters. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I um, from the first time we were cast, and we didn't know each other before this show. Oh, okay. And I just knew uh, before we were cast in this. We'd worked with a lot of similar people before, but we never actually worked together. Mm-hmm. 
And just for me, I can't speak for Troy, but I remember sitting down and talking with him about it. It, it was very important for me to try to develop and, and to actively, you know, develop a relationship in real life that mm-hmm. we could connect on, you know, okay. and we kind of clicked. We, we were both talkative, uh, sensitive people. We cared about the world and, and we talked about subjects, but we, I would do my goofing around stuff. And then he's <laughs> a very funny guy too. So <laughs> he's, you know, coming at me. He's, he comes with the zingers. He, He's really yeah. good with the quick zingers and the zaps. But for me, I'm more of the goofy kind of walk around and say, you know, how good looking we are. We're the eye candy for the show stuff. Yeah. You know? And he just kind of rolls his eyes. And But, you know, I, it's it, we've just developed this relationship in real life that we just carry into the show. Okay. And, um, and the writing in the beginning uh, with what we were trying to do, just creating a bond, uh, from sure. the first scene that we read at rehearsal, I remember the first two scenes, the first day we worked on the first season, I mean, we went through it like perfectly. It's like mm-hmm. they, it was a rehearsal and, and they did, they should have shot it. And everybody <laughs> was like applauding at the end. And it was, ah. everything was so well written that we just jumped into our characters, jumped into this relationship we've gotten to know each other with. And we just clicked and we found this level between being serious and being lighthearted and being goofy yeah. and teasing each other and just like people do in real life, just like yeah. uh, you know, it's you know, there's times to be serious, and there's times to you know be uh, uh, to, to goof around or play jokes on people and and tease and uh, and I just considered that we, I said we've got to somehow develop the the feeling of a long term, like we've had a long term relationship, almost a marriage. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. which is basically yeah. what buddies are uh, that I've known mm-hmm. from high school. Um, we're the, sometimes even closer than brothers. And yeah. that's the, the kind of relationship that I wanted to try to build with him. And, and we did build. And yeah. and then the writers were so good that they they just they they clicked right into that. They they had that all kind of down. We once okay. they saw what we were doing. Um, it's just it's just the writing has been incredible. Because um, yeah. I heard we were only in one book, uh, but um, uh-huh. they um, they kept us going, yeah, because uh, it it worked. So yeah, uh, absolutely worked. Very, I feel very fortunate for that. Yeah, awesome. I, I think they the, I think they kept you going because of your good looks. I I think that yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you got to figure I, that part. You know, <laughs> see, you now understand it. Yeah, and see, you that's, yeah. you've gotten to the heart of it. And We're getting every it, time yeah. I talk to Eric Overmeyer or Michael Connor, you know, I, I, I've said many times, uh, you know, tell me the, the reason you hired me was because of my good look, right? And he, he would just kind of pause, give this like three-second pause, and he'd go, well, that's a given, you know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I do get a lot of fun on the set because with Titus and with Jamie's a real good-looking guy, seriously, and, and Lance and... And I don't mm-hmm. care, but see, I'm I'm the best looking. So whenever I'm there on the <laughs> set, I know it's very depressing for all of them because yeah. they have to take Next a back bad. seat. And, you yeah. know, it was hard yeah. for Titus in the very beginning. It was hard. <laughs> uh, but he got used to it when I elevated him from the third best looking to the second best looking. 
But he's, it is, it is, he's now the second best looking guy on the show. And, uh, and it's, it's my little running routine that just keeps me laughing, but it, it seems to be funny for everyone else too. I, I love, love it. Uh, I love it. it. Well, speaking it's of, my own little dream world, but I like it. There. It's, it's, I love it. Speaking of looks, um, Beryl has a signature hat. <laughs> Harry had a yes. cane this year. Pierce had the Merce. If you could yeah. convince the, the writers to give Crate a signature accessory, what would you ask for? Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> boy, these are tough ones. <laughs> the hat came out of Troy being so fair-skinned that okay. when he was out, we were shooting out in the sun, that he absolutely need, needed a covering. You know, he right. needed something, okay. so they found, even though it was like not the East Coast, it's not necessarily a West Coast thing, but it's an uh-huh. older style school look, but yes. it was perfect because he wouldn't get sunburned. And mm-hmm. um, and then it just incorporated into it. Harry with the cane on this episode playing uh, somebody who's older who needs drugs and stuff like that. You know, it helped her. <laughs> but I, uh, as far as for me, um, I, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm, <laughs> they haven't said, I, I wanted them to write this in the show, something about me talking about how good looking I am. And they haven't done it yet because <laughs> me saying how good looking I am. Just like literally incorporating that under the show because the only thing that I can think that in real life that I do to goof around with people, like uh-huh. when I call up, I just say, I'm good looking or, you know, how are you doing today? I'm good looking or how are you feeling today? I'm good looking. Uh, you know, where are you going to go? I don't know, but I'm good looking. Uh, I just, you can say it to anything. So I, I just have this little running joke that I always carry a, a hand mirror around. There you go. And, uh, you know, and so I, I, they haven't incorporated that into the show yet. Uh, you know, so now I, I say crate and barrel of the eye candy, but I'm, I'm bringing uh, a Troy in on that with me on that. Uh, yeah, okay. So we can make it a duo thing. Uh, we're the yeah, eye candy. Yeah. You're a team show. player. Um, yeah, you're a team yeah, player. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But but I think, you know, if if um if, if I would say anything just coming from me uh, and then incorporating it into the character, I would say uh Crate would have a a a, hand, a little little mirror set up yes, so yes. he could look at himself periodically. That's fantastic. <laughs> And, and I, I just would love, music. I would just love them to write that into the show yes, because yes. I, that would, that is like, me. Oh, that's man. like, cause I, I, that cracks oh. me up just goofing about it because yeah. obviously I used to be better class younger, but now I'm obviously not <laughs> the best looking, but it's, if you think you're the best looking and tell people all the time, then eventually they yeah. start regurgitating back to you. Yeah. It makes right? it real. Yeah, you could have, Craig could have just a little in your inside his uh, pocket jacket on the inside and just, like when you go out on a call, exactly. just quickly pull it out. Have a little mirror, take it have off. a little hand mirror, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. a little hand mirror, yeah. Mm-hmm. Look okay. for blemishes, <laughs> fix the We're hair, gonna, you know. We can campaign oh, for that on social media, so. Yeah, and, um, and if anybody yeah, else heard this, if anybody else heard this, like Titus or Jamie or Troy <laughs> or, or Eric or Michael Conley or everything, they would totally crack up because that's 
all I've been saying to them is how good looking my character yeah. is. And if well, you don't have me on on this episode, I mean, do you <laughs> think they're going to just sit around? The women are going to just watch. You need the women <laughs> demographic. You need you, you need me on the sh- you need me on each episode. You know, otherwise, you know, so you think true. you're just going to keep so watching true. everyone right. else. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I, th- I think we have a new mission on our hands, Jay. Let's do it. I'm, well, I'm already I, sending out a tweet about it. It's, there you go. There you go. No, no. Yeah, oh, no. No. Oh, no. <laughs> it's going it's, it's uh, to happen. Hashtag, now I've got, hashtag now I've got, great now my, my, my humor is, is going viral. It's going to well, <laughs> my Facebook page. Over a period of time, I'm, uh-huh. everyone I know is always like saying, you know, because my nickname is, I gave it to myself years ago, Mr. Uh-huh. Good Looking. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's everybody's always joking. So, but I'm always throwing it out there, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, you, yeah, I throw a little line going. here, a little line there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, Jay, what you got? Let's get ready to wrap yep. this up. So listen, I, I know you think we asked the tough questions already, but we always <laughs> end our interviews with just a couple yeah. very, very, very tough questions. It's a little game we have. Um, oh. We give you multiple choice answers, okay? But these are the hard-hitting mm-hmm. questions, okay? So just have fun oh. with it. There's no right or wrong well, answer. Kind of like the actors, the actors studio thing where you have <laughs> little of, things like, kind of. what's your, you know, and then you got, you know, what's the worst sound? Uh, what's yeah. your favorite sound? Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is like our, our version. Multiple choice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But see, you get two, you get two choices for for each question, and it's the same choice. You have to choose. Either crate or barrel. They, one of those two is going to be the answer to each one. Now, the okay. first one, okay? okay? And you try not to be biased. <laughs> Who's the better friend? <laughs> Who's the better friend? Oh, that's tough. Um, that's tough. I, 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 especially after this season, uh, uh-huh. I'm gonna say crate. Okay, I, I can I can buy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, I like it. I, 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 Barrel doesn't wear it on his sleeve, but that's it's true. equal for him too. Yeah, but right. I think I wear it more on my sleeve. That's that's the only reason yeah. I say crate. Okay, I think it's equal. I think it's I uh-huh. think it's deadly equal. But I think as far as what you would see. I mm-hmm. think I think crate I think crates a little wears it on his sleeve a little more. Okay. Barrels got right. it in the heart. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Right. That makes sense. All right. The second scenario: the precinct is getting a new printer for the department, except all the mm-hmm. IT people are busy. Who is more likely to get the printer set up and working, crate or barrel? Oh, barrel. Barrel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't even work the freaking copy machine in this last. Yeah. I, yeah. I kind of thought about that. Yeah. 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 yeah no. So and oh, and it breaks the same way in real life. It was just perfect. Oh. I'm just like okay. I, I have the computer stuff and I'm like going. Well, I'm on the phone twelve hours from somebody from India trying to figure out my Earthlink or my uh, Dell or my you know, glitches. And okay. I just am not. I'm not Mr. Technical. Okay. All right. All right. Keep that in mind. Yeah, All right. Fair. Good that answer. was easy. That was easy. Okay. All right. Now let's fast forward a few years in the future. Crate and Barrel mm-hmm. are now retired. 
but they're looking mm-hmm. for some part-time work. They want something to do. It turns out mm-hmm. the carnival is looking for a new barker. Who would be the better <gasps> carnival bar- barker, crate or barrel? Oh, wow. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> um, that is hard, yeah. I that's hard go. because uh, uh, Bar- uh, Troy is, Beryl's character is, well, I'm going to say is if we're going to, re- are we going to talk to, about the characters or people in real life? In real life, I would say uh, Troy, or, I mean, it's, uh, it's equal. I, I, but I, I think because so the character. Crate is more verbal uh, and, okay. and a little more outwardly verbal than Beryl uh-huh. is, I, I'm going to say Crate would be the better Carnival Barker. Okay. But in real life, uh, I, it's, it's a toss-up. Okay. It's a okay. toss because I, I think Beryl is he keeps more dry and low key and mm-hmm. and he and and just and, and he's a little more serious and and even when his humor comes it's still dry and low key. Mm-hmm. So I'll mm-hmm. just say is I'll just say crate just because I can get a little goofier and they have to always right. tone me down. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. All right. That makes sense. All right, one more. It's Matt okay. Josh's birthday. Everyone is at the mm. party. She wants the guys in the department to compete in a hula hoop contest. Which one no. wins, crate or barrel? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you guys get this done? Uh, oh. These are all from the brain of Jay today. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> I have, I, I can't do the hula hoop or anything. My hips don't hardly move, and I, I don't think I do either. I, um, <laughs> I I think that is a, a bench. I, I, I and I have to say one or the other. I, can I say a tie? Because sure. literally, I, no I, I, I no rules. Yeah, I I think that's a tie because I think for both of us, it's going uh-huh. straight down. I I, uh, I am not a big hip mover, and uh, uh-huh. and I, I'm sure Troy isn't either. So okay. uh, I would say for okay. both characters, I think it's going. I, I, I think I think the hoop would go down uh, pre, about the same speed for both of them. Okay. Honestly. Well, well, okay. We'll give you we'll give you a follow up then. Who in your cast um, would win the hula hoop contest if it's not going to be Crater Barrel? Which character would win? Oh, oh. Okay. All right. Well, actually, time is pretty good. But I'm I'm going to say um, I'm going to oh, Amy Amy too. That's it. let's see. Yeah. Uh, J- yeah. J. Edgar, uh, J. Edgar, Edgar. I'm going to say. Oh yeah. You know the new girl who was uh, who was uh, Dejuan's oh, yeah. uh, partner, like Christina. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say it's either yes, it's either Grace Billet, Lieutenant Billets, it's uh-huh. either J. Edgar or or Christina. Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds like I would Jamie say Jamie is, too, because Jamie's yeah. in good shape, and he's got yeah. he's young. He, he, you have to be younger for that, and and you gotta you know be able to you know. So I think those three would by far do the best. Um, okay. okay. And the rest, the rest. Of well, I I know you guys uh, shoot long days, but if you have some spare time on set, you, you might want to try this out. Just you know, just an option. Right. right. <laughs> well, I swear to God, I uh, I got a <laughs> yeah, you know, the last time I tried it, I actually did it for about two or three times around. But it, yeah. you got to I I could do it when I was younger. It's yeah, just, yeah. Uh, you know, you gain a little weight and you get older, and the things just don't move the same way. <laughs> it just doesn't you know, work. Yeah, I can't do it at all. Yeah. 
I can't do it at all. No, I, I mean, it's good. I'm good around my doing around my arm or my leg, you know. But, yeah, uh, yeah. But around the hips uh, doesn't go. work the same way. No, I would, I would say that's why I pick. I, I Amy is still very limber and she's in great uh-huh. shape. Uh, Luke yeah. and billets and and then Juan's partner. Yeah, she's in good shape. She's young. I'll bet she could do really well. And I'll bet Probably. Jamie, a Jay Edgar, Jay Edgar yeah. character, would yeah. do very well. Yeah. Right. I, I'm going with youth on that one. Yeah. Okay. Those, All are, those right. are excellent Thanks, choices. Appreciate your time, man. You were awesome. Yes, we do. Thank you for uh, talking to I, us. Forgot, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank Fantastic. you so much. Thanks for everything right. you're doing, too. Oh, you're welcome. I really welcome. appreciate it. All right. You All take right. care. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.